Welcome to Ask Andy featuring Andrew Redleaf. Ask Andy is sponsored by Park State Bank. Visit www.parkstatebank.com for all your banking needs. Happy holidays, everybody, and Happy New Year. It's the time of year in which some of us are required to make predictions for the forthcoming year vis-a-vis the financial markets, and that's what I will do today. Of course, with the caveat that I don't really know, and while I will be giving both a price and a date, that violates really the first and only rule of forecasting, so hopefully I can get away with it in the spirit of the holidays. In a number of fora and settings, letters and podcasts, I've talked about the Fed and their dual mandate for uh, price stability and full employment, and I've frequently written that, you know, in fact, the Fed doesn't have the tools to do either, and that The Fed also manipulates its balance sheet, buying and selling securities, which raises or lowers the level of reserves in the system, though the principal policy tool that people have focused on is their fixing of short-term rates. The Fed can, in fact, raise short-term rates while increasing its balance sheet, or, in fact, do the opposite, lower rates while decreasing its balance sheet. The financial system at this point, with trillions of dollars of excess reserves, can actually accommodate that. To some degree, the the changes in Fed balance sheet are really money moving from one portion of the banking system to another without really affecting the level of funding available for businesses or their rates. One thing that is not a prediction and something that I think can be very comfortable in asserting is that even though the Fed can't do what it is purported to be able to do, and even though the Fed can't really control the level of inflation or the level of employment and even the degree of influence it might have is certainly subject to debate. But you know, notwithstanding that, we can be certain that the Fed will gauge its policy moves in accordance with what it sees in both inflation and employment. And uh, it will act as if its policies are determinative and that it's acting in response to data on those two fronts. On the inflation front, I think there remains a reasonable degree of uncertainty as to how much of last year's inflation was supply chain issue related and the degree to which that has been resolved versus the degree to which it was driven uh, by accommodative monetary policy and stimulative fiscal policy, most of the stimulus having been returned. I think the evidence, or at least the most recent data, that being data over the last three or four months, suggests that more than half, probably three quarters, of the 8% inflation seen in the second half of 21 and the beginning of 22 was pandemic and war-related, and most of those adjustments have been made. Recent inflation statistics show a runway in the sort of 2% 
annual range. Probably a little higher, but again, some of that is catch-up and a reflection of lags in measurement, particularly within the housing-slash-rent components and to some degree in wages, you know, things that tend to reset annually. It would be more accurate to look at where this month's resets are vis-a-vis last month's resets, as opposed to this month versus last year. But the uh, ordinary statistics do not do that. Now, I think the overwhelming probability is that we see several months more of inflation in the vicinity of the Fed's target now. I think it's also very likely that the tightness in the labor market is less pandemic-driven than other supply chain issues, and that represents a secular trend, both in the composition of the workforce, the retirement of baby boomers, something of a tightening of immigrants coming into the workforce, and possibly a broader shift in people's work, wages, leisure, utility trade-offs. So people voluntarily working somewhat less, and at least over time, probably spending somewhat less. So baseline is that inflation numbers will look decent to the Fed, though very possibly somewhat above their 2% target, while employment measures of tightness in the labor force continue to give the Fed pause. I'm pretty much in the mainstream, at least as the markets uh, reflected that after a peaking of rates, the Fed begins to cut. I actually, be my prediction that the rate increase in February, almost certainly 50 basis points, will be the last, and that the Fed will be cautious in terms of cutting rates. Nonetheless, with inflation in the 2% vicinity, I would expect one or two 25 or perhaps 50 basis point cuts in the second half of the year, leaving uh, the funds rate uh, slightly under four at the end of the year. In that environment, so sort of two-ish inflation, uh, short rates between three and a half and four, we could expect the equity market to do basically nothing, to trade in a pretty tight range with sort of uh, 3,500 on the S&P as a lower sort of bound, 4,500 probably as an upper bound. And I think that that scenario has something between a 60 and 80% probability. Where it would be interesting is if, in fact, underlying inflation is below 2%, if we start seeing you know flat to 1% kind of annual numbers, the market will anticipate Fed rate cuts, will lead the Fed sort of down. The Fed will be slower, but nonetheless, the market will take any sort of hints of Fed dovishness as reason to rally. And we'll have in and around those comments and news and cycles, 5 to 10% sort of rallies. I don't think that will actually break stocks out of the trading range. And again, you know, something like 4,500, 4,600 is probably the top. On the other hand, 
if the inflation run rate more currently experienced turns out to be something more like 4%, that, in fact, the wage catch-up pushes prices, and companies are able to raise prices, and we have something like a 4% inflation rate, the Fed will feel compelled to stick to what would be a very destructive policy and continue to raise uh, rates beyond the five, five and a quarter that people sort of now see as the outer edge to, you know, something close to six. And at six on the funds rate, I think things break. Essentially, all the commercial real estate in the country, which is the backbone of uh, the financial system that would be underwater, you'd see sort of a a substantial uptick in bank failures among small community uh, and regional banks, though not the big banks, uh, spillover effects into the the rest of the economy and a significant recession. The the floor on the S&P in that scenario drops below uh, 3,200. And while we wouldn't experience a 08 financial crisis sort of environment, stresses of the magnitude experienced in uh, 98 in the wake of uh, long-term capital would be more likely than not. I think the probability of that scenario is something on the order of 5%. And in fact, they're kind of two pieces. First, you know, the underlying inflation and the Fed's response. I think there's some chance that the Fed would see interest rate increases as counterproductive or at the very least not um, worth the price and start jawboning for fiscal and other structural sorts of policy changes. So let's put the probability of that very, very difficult scenario at uh, something like 2 to 3%. In the base case scenario, while the broad-based stock market does pretty much nothing, I think high-yield bonds will be one of the very best, if not the best, performing asset classes. In their um, year-end predictions, uh, Bank of America Merrill Lynch predicts a 5% default rate for high-yield bonds. I would be very surprised if it's over four. Probably has a three-handle with uh, credit losses in the 1-2% range, meaning default-adjusted yields being still something in excess at 7%, I would expect spread contraction to the tune of 100-ish basis points, adding 6, 7, 8% to the total return. So double-digit returns in the broad high-yield market. I have no guesses on oil or other commodities. I think I will go out on a limb and uh, predict that the crypto, whatever one calls it, craze, mania, or uh, the crypto innovation, that that continues to fade. And uh, I won't say zero in 2023, but I'll go out with 7,500 as the year-end close on uh, Bitcoin with fallout within the sector, more exchanges, more crypto players 
going bankrupt, going out of business, uh, turning out to have not had what they said they had, or just uh, shutting down in the normal course, but that not having spillover effects into other markets. So um, if the predictions turn out to be pretty good, I will do a reminder podcast a year from now. If not, everyone is certainly uh, free to email their comments, reviews, verbal abuse, what have you. Once again, Happy New Year, everybody, and may 2023 be uh, healthy and prosperous for all of you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Ask Andy. If you would like to submit a question, please email askandypodcast at gmail.com. Ask Andy is sponsored by Park State Bank. Visit www.parkstatebank.com for all your banking needs.